at data chart we analyze our politicians are indulgent when it comes to dealing with crime we interrogate we need to increase the strength of population but right now they're about 370,000 according to them and uh, how do they cover nigeria we interpret and the trafficking in persons law has said that you cannot use any child that is below 12 in any home as a domestic help we help decision makers and you understand the numbers of citizens agree or strongly agree that the news media should constantly investigate and report on government mistakes Join the Data Chart conversation every Friday, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. on Ray Power FM 100.5 Abuja. For inquiries and advert placement, call 0906-420-5487. Data Charts, powered by NOI Polls Limited. Good evening, Abuja. Good evening, listeners. Thank God it's Friday. Welcome to Data Chat. Data Chat is a platform where we analyze, interrogate, and discuss survey findings to help decision makers better understand the polls and discuss poll findings. I am Basi Patricia Atim, Communications Officer for NY Polls Limited. So just today we'll be looking at something very very important and very very crucial we'll be looking at gender equality um our focus today is on gender equality in democracy and governance what is gender equality gender equality implies that the interests needs and priorities of both women and men girls and boys are taken into consideration recognizing the diversity of different groups and that all human beings are free to develop their personal abilities and make choices without limitations so this data chat episode will be looking at you know the afrobarometer survey that was conducted sometime in march in 2022 and this is the round nine of the survey the afro afrobarometer is a pan-african non-partisan survey research network that provides reliable data on african experiences and evaluation of democracy governance and quality of life and ny pose is her national partner in nigeria so this survey is the ninth round so far and it was conducted in other african countries including nigeria and these findings are for nigeria alone so as i said earlier we'll be looking at gender equality in democracy and governance so joining me in this joining me via telephone to you know discuss and you know give us a enlighten us basically on gender equality in nigeria when it comes when it comes to democracy and governance i have on the line hajia sada to madi she is the secretary general women's rights advancement and protection rapper good evening hajia okay good evening it's a pleasure to have you join us today on data chat thank you very much and, uh, my pleasure yeah all right thank and you okay so um please ma would like you to speak a bit you know louder so we can hear you clearly okay so ma before we get uh, you know right into the conversation i don't want us to, you know to hold on for too long we'll just really quickly have you know the poll presentation to give us highlights on you know findings from the poll and to do that we have chuku debenwanze from the social research department of ny polls he would run us through you know just a brief summary of the um, survey findings so over to you debenwanze 
Thank you. Findings from the Afrobarometer Round 9 Nationwide Survey shows that Nigerian women face persistent disadvantages and limited support for gender equality. Specifically, findings show that 6 in 10 or 61% of Nigerians say women should have the same chance as men of being elected to public office. Although 8 in 10 think a woman will gain standing in the community if she runs for office, almost 1 in 2, that is 47%, say it's likely she will be criticized or harassed and 38% say she will probably face problems within her family. This may be because a lot of politically related meetings hold at late hours of the night which is not in keeping with proper cultural norms for a woman, among other numerous reasons. Furthermore, a slim majority, that is 53%, say women should have the same rights as men to getting a paying job and another slim majority, 51%, say women have the same rights as men to inherit land. This implies that you have an almost equal proportion who hold an opposing view. In particular, following gender analysis shows that men are less likely than women to endorse gender equality in hiring and in terms of inheriting land. Lastly, only about a fourth, that's 26% of citizens say the Nigerian government is performing fairly well or very well in promoting equal rights and opportunities for women. More than half, that's 54%, say the government should do more to advance gender equality. So, although a slim majority want to see an advancement in gender equality policies, a sizable proportion of the population still hold on to gender inequitable views, such as prioritizing rights to a man getting a paying job and inheriting land over a woman. It's over to you in the studio. All right, thank you very much, Debewanze, for that presentation. That's Mchuku Debewanze from the Social Research Department. So over to you, um, Hajia. Let's start um, with this. The World Economic Forum estimates that achieving gender equality will take another century to become a reality. Do you agree with that? Thank you very much, Patricia. And uh, I also want to comment Debewanze on the findings he has just explained. Yes, uh, to say um, we put a year of 100 or 10 years or 2 years, uh, changing the dynamics around the power relations that define what men and women get is not a dash, it is a marathon. Hmm. And to put a timeline on it would be that we would have taken off some of the barriers that stand against women. Then, probably, will be able to put a timeline. And what are these barriers? Like they are shown in the research. There are social norms. There are issues of uh, patriarchy. There are issues of the power relations, the dynamics between men and women, boys and girls. The findings also show social norms that would rather allow a man to get something as against a woman to see. The, the social norms also do not yet see the value or the, 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 in, the, the benefit of having women in leadership positions. So if by use of policy, advocacy, conservation, and other engagement types, we're able to you know, downsize the numbers and the depth of these social norms, barriers, 
these structural barriers around power dynamics, poverty, mm. and perception and then socialization. Maybe then we can begin to talk at a timeline. Okay. So why I put this why I put it this way is that even when you go to the advanced countries, mm. they may not be as tough as we have them here in Africa or in Nigeria. True. But the nuances of these same structural barriers are there. Especially around equal pay for equal uh, work. And this one is the world over. So even where we think they are developed, these structural barriers exist in their different forms and nuances. So to put a timeline, I say it's very ambitious, but there's nothing wrong with doing it. But first, first point first, take out the structural barriers of poverty, uh, socialization, and most importantly, most importantly, social norms that do not place a value on the work of the woman or her contribution to development. Thank you. Okay, so um, you know, l- let's talk about those barriers that you, you know, have um have just pointed out. I mean, this is the twenty first century, and we are still waiting on women, um, female representation in Nigeria. All of this is like you had rightly said is being influenced by discriminatory laws, religious and cultural norms, gender stereotypes, low level of education, and poverty. Why are women? only women so to say constantly faced with these barriers or limit limiting factors even as the world is constantly evolving why does it have to be women what is different well you see if you go back to uh some of the biblical and um, you know some of the faith representation because if you look at for example the religion of islam which i follow I know that the only differences between what a man does or contributes, I mean, the differences are in the roles we play and in the roles that are ascribed to us by faith or by position. But when it comes to serving God, when it comes to sinning, when it comes to earning rewards, it is the same for the man and for the woman. Hmm. However, when you come to look at social construction around the life we live. Men go out to earn and it is from their earnings that they support women. It is made such that if they do that, they earn the respect and the reverence of women. But we know that is not happening. But that does not change the fact that we have been ascribed by faith different rooms as men and women, as a husband is supposed to be. Even in Christian dome, we know that one two become one. What that sure. means is that there is a certain level of equality in terms of the sex in the well-being of the family, in terms of the contributions of the family, and even if you don't have to make equal input, it says that one hand does not win the service of that family. Hmm. So the deconstruction around the perception in terms of what accrues to men in leadership or what accrues to them in their roles as husbands, fathers, and what not, is what we need to start unpacking. There are some of these things that even are becoming structural barriers that are actually not right, but responsibility, which they have turned into right as against responsibility. The second thing, when you say why women, you see, whenever you speak of inequality, the first thing is vulnerability. The fact that one group is vulnerable or the fact that one group is dependent on the other, the likelihood of vulnerability escalating are higher. As such, where you find that women are the the, the biggest face or the, the, the real face of poverty, where you find that women are 
have an equal access to education or completion of education, where women have an equal access to resources, then it means their vulnerability is heightened as such their ability to seek those things that you know accrue to them that equal opportunity, that equal responsibility for contribution to the well-being of the family and the nation is skewed. And it is skewed against them. But in terms of numbers, nobody denies the fact that we almost have an equal 50-50%. And we keep saying in our advocacy, if 50% is providing for 50 properly, is there likely to be a balance that enables someone to do the things they need to do? What it says is that even from the numbers, that both of you have a stake, an equal stake in contribution, mm -hmm. not necessarily an equal stake in rules. So, and then when we talk to gender, we are not just talking to women. We are talking to men, women and youth that have vulnerabilities that makes them less able to exercise their rights, to access their rights, as well as to defend them. Thank you. Okay, so uh, before we talk, go on to talk about the effects of, you know, these barriers and how it affects women, um, let's just look at uh, sustainable development. According to the United Nations, sustainable development has been defined as development that meets the needs of the present without compromising the ability of the future, hence women's equal participation and leadership in political and public life is essential in achieving the sustainable development goals and the prerequisites for genuine democracy. So what can you tell us what is the relationship between gender, democracy and development? So first of all, the, the relationship between gender and democracy is about inclusion. To what extent is the democracy you practice in a country mm. inclusive of all citizens? They may not all be running for office, but do they have a voice to demand for accountability? Do they have the wherewithal in terms of access to democratic processes to elect the kind of people that they want to run the life, the army in their lives? Do they have also the capacity to belong to political parties? To be meaningful members of those political parties that are hijacked by a few. So when you begin to speak to democracy and gender, you are saying that those people who are classified under gender, meaning women, persons with disabilities, you know, youth, children, are all subjected into one box of you cannot access the structures of the party, you cannot also manipulate or you cannot determine who becomes what and you cannot also aspire to even represent. We see what is happening in the political parties. Mm. There is really, really very weak internal party democracy. A few people call the shots in the political party. And those few people are not women. They are not uh, disabled persons, and they are not youth. That is why, in the first instance, the relationship between gender and democracy is that with gender vulnerability, the likelihood is exclusion. We will have less citizens in that bracket of vulnerability being meaningful members or citizens that have the same rights as those that are lobbying it over them to either belong to the party, demand good leadership, demand accountability, or even vote for the right person. As you know very well, even access to a polling unit is a factor of good democracy, credible 
integrity of election. Because if as a citizen I have a problem that limits my ability to get to the polling unit and vote the person I want, then there's a problem. So the relationship between gender and democracy is that except where deliberate efforts are made for democracy to be inclusive, for democracy to be accessible through its structures to every citizen who is interested in partisanship, or that democracy enables citizens to question the leaders that they elect or the leaders that are hoisted upon them. That is, for me, the first relationship between gender and democracy. Now, how do citizens access authority? How do citizens access um, social services? When you go to hospitals, you have services. We have services, we have this, we have that. What extent does it enable citizens to access those, uh, those um, rights that are enshrined in our Constitution, Chapter 2, under the fundamental objectives and directives of the uh, principles of state, that says the state is responsible for different a government or a, a, a democracy that produces leaders or executives and uh, representatives that live by the dictum of Chapter 2 of the Constitution and Chapter 4 is what we say is the relationship between development and democracy. Unless they have that consciousness of the fact that they are servants of the people, that the people that elected them have a right to enjoy the dividends, as they say, of democracy. And these dividends are just the simple basis of life, security, uh, being, uh, being able to, 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 to be in decent accommodation, and environment, a safe environment, and a health service that is accessible and affordable. Those are the relationships between development and democracy. So when democracy does not deliver this, then there is a problem again. Thank you. This is what I have to say there. Okay, so um, still talking about the um, people at the helms of affairs and women being given, you know, opportunities. You know, it's nice, It's interesting to see that while the Nigerian Constitution provides for gender equality and non-discrimination laws, women continue to experience and suffer marginalization, especially you know when it has to do with them um, governance. So how you know how well has you know such laws helped in you know reducing such marginalization to the point where women are beginning to you know get involved as, as regards you know being a part of governance in nigeria generally as a whole especially regarding the existing constitution well like you know the constitution is a grand law it is the one that has the framework of how we coexist as citizens and government it is also the framework that enables us to say we are citizens with this right in our country and we have also a duty to the country that is to speak of patriotism mm. now where the grandson as the framework in itself is not the, the daily thing that will be implemented it has what are called uh, i think integral law that is laws and policies that emanate from those rights in, this con- in that constitution as such nigeria has done very well in going to the international community and signing international treaties. It is also right now treating, I mean, rising. There is a new right to response in terms of legal and policy reform that enables us to, you know, pull out from the constitution those things that can be implemented. So where is the problem? The problem is implementation, Patricia. You don't make a law and do not provide for the agencies that will implement that law 
to have the resources to do. Simple example, we have been celebrating the passage of the violence against persons from which and us. However, today, less than 5% of the state of the federation that have even adopted it. We now have our 30, 32 states that have adopted the VAP Act in one way or the other. But financing the implementation is where the problem is. We have developed a model implementation budget from the FTT which we are cascading to the state. But each time, the first problem we face is the nine ministries or the NDA that are supposed to take it up, the institutions of faith and culture at the level still are grappling with what does it mean to implement this law. A lot of times, some of the problems that arise, if they are not able to shoot down a law while it is being enacted at the National Assembly, they leave it to come to implementation. And they begin to seek for interpretation of what the law means. And most importantly, when they feel threatened by the possibilities of that law being implemented, they make sure they scatter it somehow, somewhat. So the point being made, is that legal and policy reforms, yes, we are doing, we are trying. For example, in 2021, the national gender policy has been reviewed. Now we are working around with popularization and dissemination as well as implementation. But implementation is not talk. Implementation is resources. Implementation is knowledge that people know it is there, they know themselves, they see themselves in it, and they also know that they can contribute to its implementation either as government workers, as social workers of, of society, of um, I mean, as the institutions of um, informal institutions, or even as lawyers, as judges, and all of that. So to that effect, until we are able to get legal reforms that come in the whole package of the law itself, the knowledge around it, its object, its implementation, the financing of its implementation, because the national and state assemblies have three key responsibilities. One is the enactment of the law. I mean, the first one is our cooperation. Two, the enactment of the law. And three, the ability to oversight the implementation. Hmm. Now, if you make a law and you only stop at one, then what is happening to the others you do not know. Even if you move up to provide a profession, if you do not oversight, you cannot come back, or those NDAs implementing, or those social structures implementing, cannot come back to say, look, we have achieved this, so you don't need to put money on it. Mm. But here, we need more money to do this and to do that. Oversight will then be an imperative that says, okay, we know we gave you money to do this. For example, under gender-based violence, we gave you money to build shelters. How many of them are operational? And what has it done to reduce or to address the needs of survivors of gender-based violence? These kind of technical content and technical engagement are required within the oversight role of the assembly. Now, unless that happens, then they will continue to derail, I mean, to, 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 to draw back on the intention of the laws and policies that are enacted in this country. Okay, thank you very much, Ma, for that you know wonderful explanation and breakdown. But before we take a short break, I would like to just ask him one more question. You know, generally we've seen that you know women are being boxed, you know, when it comes to leadership positions. Boxed in the sense that sometimes they are mostly relegated to women leader, you know, and all of that. So what what possibilities, you know, lies ahead? And considering what you have highlighted now, there are laws, but however, the issues or the challenges include 
appropriation enactment and implementation so what hope lies ahead for a typical nigerian woman or girl child who is you know growing with plans to hold a position or better change you know the status quo well i think first of all we we, we go back to what you are saying um generally the status quo as we speak today is tokenism that is to say, if you have 10 men, just uh, sprinkle them with two women so that they don't see we're not there. <laughs> Secondly, the, 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 the way we are looking at it in terms of women's capacity to access even elected positions and then to come and survive within the places that are not responsibilities. You know, if you come to the assembly, there are principal officers, there are you know, party um, positions even within the assembly in focuses and so on and so forth. Women are not women. Why? Because first of all, one of the challenges we have tried to address since the 2007 election is to look at what what status are women holding in political parties. Up until 2007, the statistics and the data that we have shows that the majority of women we see in political parties are not bona fide members of the political party. Mm. At first, they cannot benefit because they are not contributing. They only get there to either hook right, clap or sing and be uh, mobilized for the men. The second thing you also need to survive your mind to is again, where a woman courageously goes into politics, manages to win an election, when she comes to the assembly or at national level or state level, she's overwhelmed. You have a house of 360 and you have only 15 or 14. You have a Senate of 109, and you have only 9 or 8. Now, even if it is internal uh, lobbying or internal caucuses, you find that one woman in the national, I mean, in the Senate, will have to lobby at least 10 senators mm. who may not be in her party, who may not even have any respect or regard for her, and they may just see her as enjoying the benefit of being either in district or or first or, 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 or this, because even the standards of treatment within the fold of, of your own peer is a problem. So as far as I'm concerned, how do we address tokenism? Tokenism will be addressed when women join political parties are able to qualitatively contribute to the growth of the political party, are able to competitively be you know put forward by the party to represent the party in elections and then are supported to win the election. When they come to the assembly Again, depending on the pedigree, depending on the political party they belong to, again, how do they negotiate their position? Right now, as we speak, the judgment is going on around leadership positions within the National Assembly and the State Assembly. It went, 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 went inaugurated. Already, the principal officer positions are already way out of the position. We have one woman that is trying for, 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 for the, the office of um, uh, um, uh, speaker. We have less looking forward to being chairman of committees. Mm. So, overall, until the numbers improve, and that is why we came out with the five gender groups, one of which is saying, give more room for women to come in numbers that enables them to compete amongst themselves and with men, and then have these numbers increase, even if it were for a moratorium of 10 years, or even three elections, or four elections. So that they can deliberate action that says if women come in through the normal election and you have only eight women senatorial seats, 
the chief that we are asking for them, the 1116 that we are asking for them, will probably bring in 20. That means 28 women are senators out of 109. That removes the total of two candidates and enables them to interface with their colleagues, seek you know, relevance, and also seek positions that they can contribute to a very um, a vibrant democracy. Thank you. Okay. Thank, Thank you. you so very much. It has been an amazing time, you know, conversing with you, and it's indeed very, very, you know, enlightening and educating. Um, I have been speaking with Hadja Sadatu Madi. She is the Secretary General, Women's Rights Advancement and Protection Rapper. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Data Chat. It's a pleasure very having much you. For having me. All right. Have a wonderful weekend. Thank you very much. Okay, so that's the much we can take on this edition of Data Chats. Join the conversation same time, same station next week, Friday. I am Communications Officer for NY Post, Basi Patricia Ati. Do have a wonderful weekend.